Yo, every... Oh, my God. Let's try that again. Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Yo, everybody, and welcome back once again to Simpsons is Greater Than, a Simpsons podcast all about the cultural impact of everybody's favorite nuclear family. I mean, they're my favorite nuclear family. I can't imagine there's anyone listening that doesn't agree with that. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, when you're done with this episode, do me a personal favor. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a DM. We'll be pals. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do. But as you know from the intro and as you know from listening to this podcast for the last several months, weeks, years, however long it's been, it's not just me here today. It's my man, Brandon Withrow. Brandon, how you doing? Hey, man. How's it going, dude? good to be here uh, i'm just so happy to see you here today i'm happy to have you back on the podcast i think you just on, i think you're just on the podcast now i think you're just on every episode i'm into it you know this uh this past week's been uh it's, it's an anniversary this week last sunday or actually last monday was the one year anniversary since i uh posted the simpsons tv on reddit for the first time whoa one year crazy which makes uh the day before yesterday my one-year anniversary since I was first on the podcast. Isn't so it's, that uh, insane? Look at this little... It's a friend anniversary for us. We've been friends friend for a year. Yeah, it's pretty good. I didn't buy you anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say... That's fine. Me neither. I can't say this enough, uh, but I will say it anyway. Um, meeting Brandon because of this little television has really turned into a, a friendship, and that is such a bizarre thing about The Simpsons, the internet, all things in between that this person that I didn't know made this television that everybody posted and did not credit. I, I go through the trouble because I'm such a nice guy of finding who this person is. And I email them and I say, Hey, is there any, do you mind if I repost this television? And before you know it, Brandon and I are friends. We've hung out in person. Uh, he's just on the podcast now. I mean, this is just what a strange, wonderful thing in, in a weird time in life you know yeah it's cool man it's uh I, I love the turn of events this is definitely my my one of my favorite things about the whole uh simpsons tv and all of that brandon don't make me cry on the podcast. you know i have an audience here you're gonna, you're gonna get me all teary <laughs> no i could not you know it, it's awesome to have brandon around it's awesome just to be able to switch up the kind of episodes that i do and and brandon's great at it i mean I, brandon the feedback comes in people say oh we love brandon so, oh that's, i mean come that's on. good i'm glad i'm glad uh, that that's the case. I always wonder. <laughs> yeah, and don't guys. I'm sending Brandon the screenshot, so don't worry. Like I'm, I'm making sure he hears the message. Uh, so we're we're doing it. So before we get into the episode, um, I'm, I'm going to give everybody a little update about the last episode, which was the Simpsons auction. Because I know you're all just dying for me to talk more about these dandy dolls <laughs> than I already have on Bar of Darkness for the past two weeks. But if you don't know, or if you haven't looked at Instagram in a while, I have all of the dolls. They, they, I have them now. They are in my possession. But there was one little hiccup that I wanted to share 
on this episode. Brandon, I haven't even told you about this yet, so I, I, this is a, a nice little a, a new story for you. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Okay, so the dolls come in. They look fantastic. I'm I'm just over you know I'm over the moon. I'm so excited about these dolls. And I'm opening them one by one. They did a fantastic job of packaging them. They wrapped them in bubble wrap. So I'm having to, you know, carefully like peel the tape. Yeah, it's literally like Christmas. I'm having to carefully peel the tape. I open Krusty's. Oh, I'm like, oh, he's so, yeah, he looks amazing. I'm opening all of these one by one. I get to the very last toy, which is the Beach Bart. The last one we talked about. Probably the one I spent the most money on. And let's just say the packaging left a little to be desired. He was oh, really? sun bleached. Um, did not quite look like the photos. And so, you know, me being me, I go into detective mode and I'm like, well, what's going on with this doll? Why does, you know, did they alter the photos? What's going on? I reach out to the company. I express my concerns and they call me and he says, well, full disclosure, we've had this collection in our possession for a while. There are some windows in our warehouse. Mm. It's possible that he sat too near to a window. We didn't notice you know, the difference between the photos and the time that it happened, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I understand what you're saying. I can tell in the photos that he looks quite different. I have an offer for you. He goes on to tell me that when they bought this collection, there were set, there were duplicates of some of the dolls. Really? So it amazingly, the ones that were in this auction are not the only ones. Now I'm sure for some of the dolls it probably is, or there's probably like, you know, two, maybe, you know, maybe just the one. But he did admit to me that there's a few more of some of them and that there might be another auction. So as much as I'm blowing myself up by telling this on the podcast, don't think I'm going to link to it in the description or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But he was able to replace the Bart with what I consider a pristine one, a much, much better one. So I sent him back. We worked out a deal. He, You know, same thing. He just swapped him out, sent it to me. And so now I have one that is, in my opinion, perfect. But I assumed all of you would want to know that there there apparently are more, so there might be more auctions in the future. Oh man. <laughs> you know, I, I thought of you the other day. Um <clears throat> sorry. I Get it all out, Brandon. It's okay. <laughs> I thought of you the other day. Uh my wife and I watched Uncut Gems for the first time. Great movie. Oh my gosh. Stressful movie. But the the auction, I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it. Go watch that movie. Just it's amazing. It's also so take a nerve pill or whatever, man. It's so stressful. I know people that have watched that movie twice and I don't understand how. I think I'm good forever. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it is. But I don't think I can handle the anxiety. It's it's literally two hours of yelling. <laughs> truly. Truly. But the but the auction scene made me made me think of you and <laughs> <laughs> I relate to that scene very heavily. So yeah, just keep your eyes and ears peeled or whatever you, whatever, you know, phrase I'm trying to say here, there might be another auction. So if you were, you know, if you were as stoked on those dolls as I was, you might be able to win some of them. Who knows? So we'll, 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 we'll keep our eyes open here on the podcast for that. And, and we'll, you know, I will not let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other thing I want to mention before we get into the episode is last time I talked or, you know, in the last few episodes, I believe I've talked a little bit about whatnot. Um, and I am still selling extra stuff on whatnot. Uh, I am not selling my collection. Uh, the auction did not, you know, put me in a position to where I have to sell things, but I'm selling stuff that I don't need extras, random stuff, some stuff that I bought from other people that I no longer need. Uh, so if you are interested in buying, you know, speaking of auctions, if you're interested in buying some of those extras, 
go follow me on whatnot. And if you use the link in the description of this episode, you will get $10. You know, I can't stress that enough. You will get 10 bucks that you can spend. When you spend that, I get $10. I mean, it's just a great situation for everybody. And you can put that money towards things that I'm getting rid of. Uh, At the time of this recording, I'm doing one tonight. That doesn't help any of you. But for the foreseeable future, I do them every Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So use that link. Get some money and go spend it. I think Brandon's going to. Absolutely. Well, only if it's less stressful than the Uncut Gems auction. Yeah, I think. More stressful or less? What's the energy? Somewhere in the middle because I'm (laughs) very loud and obnoxious. So somewhere in the middle. I like a little bit of stress. We have a good time. I think you'll enjoy it. Cool. Brandon, anything you want to add before we get into it? Any updates on you? Any updates on anything Simpsons that you want to say? No, I mean, I just got a really awesome shirt uh, from you in the mail, Ooh, which see. is pretty, pretty good. Um, I've already gotten many compliments on it, too. So. You know, anyone listening that doesn't follow Bar of Darkness, again, I don't understand it. But once in a while, you know, just once in a while, I make a shirt here and there. And, you know, without saying what it is, you should go follow me so that you can get those shirts because... You heard Brandon say he's getting tons of compliments, and compliments. I've gotten multiple messages since this last one of people saying the same thing. So if you want to get compliments from strangers in It's always public, nice to get a compliment from a stranger. Who doesn't love good. compliments from strangers? If someone compliments my outfit, it makes my whole day. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of ride off of it for a couple of days. Like, remember a couple of days ago, that person at the coffee shop said, nice Simpson shirt. And I was like, man, that felt good. It's a high point, high point of the week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. True story. One time I was I was out shopping, I don't remember, but someone noticed that I had Homer Simpson socks on and he like, I don't remember what shirt I was wearing, but he was like, yo man, I just want to say your fit is like, you know, you're, you're really well put together today. I was talking about that for like two weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, compliments on socks, they're paying attention. That's nice. I know. I was like, remember when that guy complimented my socks and my shirt? Like, I, <laughs> I mean, I was you're like, still talking God. about it. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I, where, if you listen to this podcast, sir. I love you. That compliment yeah. <laughs> meant, meant a ton to me. Um, all right, Brandon, let's get into the episode. Yeah, what do you do say? It. Let's do it. Okay, so today we are talking about The Clown Stays in the Picture, which was written by Matt Selman and directed by Timothy Bailey, and it aired on February 17th, 2019, and it was the 14th episode of the 30th season. Was this your first time seeing this one, Brandon? It was. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, Most of the modern quote-unquote modern episodes of The Simpsons I haven't seen. And that's not by choice. I'm not one of those uh, OG Simpsons purists. Uh, For me, it was just sort of around 2003, I, you know, got out of high school and went about five years without having cable. So I, I actually missed, like, I missed The Office when it first aired, I was one of those that watched The Office way after the fact. I was like, mm. oh, this is what everyone's laughing about. <laughs> um, so I kind of fell off The Simpsons there for a little bit. And uh, it's, uh, it's it's really cool watching a modern modern episode. And, um, you know, I'm, I have, I'm excited to talk about it. There's a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff to talk about in here. Yeah, I'm just happy that you didn't say, oh, I hated it. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. <laughs> Brandon's like, yeah, it's my first time seeing it. It fucking sucked. Yeah, I, actually, I'm, I'm <laughs> off this podcast now. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> no, it's a really cool episode. And I hope that all of you listening like watched it or you're going to watch it after listening to this. And let me let me know what you think. I, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I understand that I've been talking about making a list for a long time. I have not done it, but this, just put this on the list. I'm making the list, starting the list right now, live on the show. So check it out. So a little about Matt Selman, uh, who I'm sure you all know. I mean, I think we all know who Matt Selman is at this point. He's been with The Simpsons for a long time. But just for anyone who doesn't, 
In 97, Selman joined the writing staff, and he eventually becomes an executive producer. He has written or co-written 28 episodes of the show, including Natural Born Kissers, which the show's creator, Matt Groening, listed as his eighth favorite episode in the year 2000. That's a weird little factoid, but it's a great episode. He also wrote Behind the Laughter, Trilogy of Error, Sky Police, and The Food Wife. He also co-wrote the 2007 film adaptation of the show, as well as co-writing the video games, Road Rage, Hit and Run, and The Simpsons game. So that's an interesting little thing that I tend to forget. I had no idea. As of 2020, is co-showrunner with Al Jean. So his level of involvement has just grown and grown uh, over his time there. And he's a you know a pretty influential guy in the in the the world of The Simpsons. That's amazing. I I really uh was a huge fan of the hit and run video game. Um I had I had that when I didn't have cable, so it was almost my little like way into the Simpsons for a while there. <laughs> I full disclosure, I love all three of those games. As bad as some of the Nintendo and Super Nintendo ones are, hmm. other than Simpsons Wrestling, which is atrocious, and and uh, Simpsons one. skateboarding, which is also really bad. Road Rage, Hit and Run, and Simpsons Game are all really, really fun. Some people don't love Simpsons Game, and I actually I've played through it several times. It's great. Never played that one. Oh, you would love it. It's I think it's the last game that they made. It's like really? imagine you know if you like Hit and Run, which is sort of like a Grand Theft Auto. This is similar to that, but it's you know you're not driving. It's more open world. Oh, different cool. characters have different levels, um, and the story is really interesting. They really found a way to make this bizarre. Like they know they're in a video game. Yeah, Um, it's a cool story. So yeah, if you like, if you like Simpsons video games and you haven't played Simpsons game, please go play that. Matt Selman deserves some credit for that. Um, As for Timothy Bailey, and I'm going to lean on Brandon a little bit during this because, you know, someone who's worked in animation, a director and storyboard artist from the show, but previously served as an animation timer, a second unit director, background layout artist, character layout artist, and retake director. So, I mean, Timothy has done it all. Um, his first directed by credit was The Food Wife from season 23, which was also written by Matt Selman. So a nice little through line there. He's clearly been working with him through his career. Um, any thoughts on the animation or decisions made in the episode, Brandon, please? Yeah, you know, I always love it when an animator kind of becomes the director, like moves moves to that forefront because they have such a great sense of timing and like planning those timing out. And the comedy in particular is all about timing. So like an animation, an animator that becomes a director is incredible. It's kind of, you know, like Phil Lord um, that did the Lego movie and stuff like that. That timing is so perfect because he was an animator originally. Uh, so that that's always really, really great. It's kind of like when a drummer becomes the creative lead of a band. You know, you really yeah. get some interesting stuff that doesn't normally happen. Also, just like from a person that hasn't seen too many modern episodes of The Simpsons, I really enjoyed seeing this and seeing sort of the you know the, the Simpsons have changed the way they produce the show has changed and it's all it's really really graphic really clean lines really smooth in-betweens and I didn't think that I would like that just because of uh, the nostalgia which we'll get into later but I I really did it was really um it showed me how versatile these designs of the Simpsons characters are that they could be so graphic and so clean it's just like Oh, it was beautiful. I really, yeah. really enjoyed seeing the. I almost prefer it to the the old sort of really wonky drawings. Those have their charm, but man, it's just really eye catching. See, and I'm 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 so happy that that's what you said, Brandon. And I was curious because, I mean, if you talk to a classic animator from the show, like I've talked to Wes Archer about this, 
And he will tell you right away. He's like, oh, I think the show looks incredible now. Like, I think yeah. it looks amazing. Like, I wish we could have made it look that good back then. Yeah, so, of course. you know, I understand that charm. You know, it's sort of like the fact that it's sort of rough and the fact that, you know, it's it's done in the traditional animation style of things that we no longer get to really see, you know, cell animation. So there is a, you know, a, a true charm to early Simpsons and I'll always love the, the roughness of, of it. And some of those seasons look incredible for what they are. I mean, I'm not, yeah. you know, they look great, but when you compare that, you know, it's like, it's like a band, like you might like a band's first album the most because it's a little raw and you might not appreciate the later stuff that's more produced, but you have to understand that from like a, you know, from an animator or a musician perspective, you want to make things better all oh, the time. Yeah. So being able to do what they're able to do now, of course they want to because that's their craft. They want to make it look as good as they can. Um, and, you know, I understand that problem people have, but when I watch episodes like this, especially in the setting that it's in, yeah. I'm blown away by some of the shots. Oh, the design's so beautiful. I found myself pausing a lot while watching this episode just to, I was like, man, that's a beautiful pose. That's a really great composition. Like, you know, like you said, like as they get better, not only that, but like this, a show like The Simpsons made by hundreds and hundreds of people. And the, as the show becomes so prominent, the best people in the world want to work on the show, which is going to make the show look better. Like, that's a great problem to have. The best people <laughs> in the world want to work on this show that you love. Like, it's going to look better. You know, that's just that. Not that the people that worked on the early episodes weren't great, but they were working under a budget. They didn't have sort of the the, the momentum behind them that the show right. commands now. Um, it was really cool. And, and not only that, not only that, but seeing, you know, some of those people are still around, like some of those early, like background layout artists and, yeah. and people ha are still there and have moved up in, into other positions. And th so they've seen it from all angles, you know, uh, Michael Polcino is a great example. I had him on, I think episode 28, uh, but he's been around doing Simpson stuff since the beginning at very, or, you know, for the most part from various positions and worked his way up and started directing. And so it's cool to see the way that they keep it within the family in that way. And they learn all these new positions and, you know, they bring in new people and they make everybody better. So, I mean, it really is a labor of love. You can't say, you can't say that they're lazy because they want it to look so great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the episode starts with the kids being stuck on the bus because Wiggum is playing with animals from a broken down traveling petting zoo <laughs> while asking Lou to take a selfie of him followed by Lisa basically explaining to Bart what a podcast is. Sorry, little dudes, we're going to be here a while. The truck broke down and the cops are taking their sweet time clearing it up. <laughs> he thinks my tummy is a mountain. Lulu, quick, take a selfie. Yeah, it's not a selfie if I take it. <laughs> He's kissing me. Take a selfie. Take a selfie. Oh man, my phone's dead. No house, what am I missing in the group text? It's awesome! You're never going to get caught up. What kind of jazz are you listening to, stupid or boring? It's Mark Marin's podcast. He does cool interviews with really interesting people. Lame, lame, don't know him. Lame, lame, don't know her. Loudon Wainwright, lame, lame. <gasps> this guy interviewed Krusty? Yeah. Hey, no, oh, that's my earbud! Yours now. This is an awesome scene. I love all the Wiggum and Lou stuff. You know, just classic stupid Wiggum. Take a selfie. That's not what a selfie is, you know. Um, but also, and I don't know if you caught this, Brandon, but in the shot of the animals playing with Wiggum, 
we actually see the sheep that Lisa fell in love with and Lisa the vegetarian. That sheep is there. I did not catch that. That's amazing. This this episode's got a couple of really great Easter egg cameos throughout it. I picked up on a couple throughout it too, but I didn't pick that up. That's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Little The little sheep is there. So let's talk about the fact that we see the kids all on their phones and talking about group chats and podcasts for a second, because, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people and they say that one of the things that holds them up on modern Simpsons is just the technology. So Brandon, I'd love to hear your take on that. You know, I, I, there's a precedence for this. There's a precedence for bringing technology into the show. It even happens in the quote unquote classic Simpsons, you know, Homer starts an internet corporation and gets trying to get bought out by Bill Gates and all of that. Like the Simpsons is great because it's a reflection of modern culture and you can't, you can't have that without cell phones. I mean, anybody that hasn't used a cell phone today can say they don't want cell phones on the Simpsons. <laughs> That's it. Like it's, it's a part of everything. You're probably listening to us right now on a cell phone. Like, on a cell phone. Yeah, it's just, that's what it is. And like the show has to have this in there or it would feel really dated and it would feel really weird. You couldn't have the kind of social commentary that they have. I think it's great. I really liked, uh, I liked seeing that. I also, the (laughs) Millhouse in the group chat really cracked me up. (laughs) I have a couple, I have a group chat with some of my really close friends that um, it's been going on for years, but sometimes it is like we're we're stuck in our little loops, just sending the same gifts. But like, that's good. It's comforting. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. And the, the thing that I always say when it comes to this, and I know I've touched on it before on the podcast, but don't let it hold you up because you have to understand that the reason the show is still on, and even if 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 you don't want it to be, I think everyone out there that pretends that they're not happy that the show is still on, I think you're full of shit. Yeah. Because this is the deal. I love this show. And I acknowledge that there are seasons that are worse than others and there's episodes that are not great, but I am happy that it is still on because it's this part of my life that I've had for most of my life, if not all of it really. And it it means something to me. So the reason that we have this show still is because younger kids love the Simpsons. They get into the Simpsons because they see jokes like Millhouse on in a group chat and because they hear them talk about podcasts. These are jokes that are relevant to younger viewers and the show has to have that to stick around. Every show has to have that to stick around. If they made Seinfeld tomorrow, they would all have cell phones. I mean, it's just the way it is. Absolutely. Um, you can't live in a vacuum. You can't live in a time capsule, uh, even for a show like the Simpsons. So I just, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I understand it feels strange to see them get a new TV or to have yeah. cell phones with emojis. <laughs> I understand it's like a weird thing at first, but I promise you, if you don't, they don't spend too much time on it, so it, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to yeah. really bother you if you just watch. It's just it's just uh, a part of the world, like it's a part of our world. I also right. really liked um, the when Lisa, you know, Bart's phone dies, and he's like just desperate for some sort of stimulus, which is such great commentary <laughs> on cell phones. Been there. And then he asks, he's like, he's bugging Lisa, and he's like, "What kind of jazz are you listening to? Stupid or boring?" <laughs> <laughs> Really, I like jazz too. That it's just a funny joke. It's a classic Bart line. <laughs> Absolutely, a true story. A little quick aside. So I work part time in a record store that my friend James owns. I also produce a podcast for that record store. And uh, working at a record store, I think you're almost forced 
to appreciate jazz more than you might already because so much cool jazz comes through and you meet so many people that collect it and you, you talk more about it. So working there, you know, I've obviously always known the classics, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, like, you know, these, you know, certain names and they're impossible yeah. not to know Bill Evans, you know, but working in a store like that and seeing so many cool, like blue notes come through will really make you appreciate jazz. And I've been on such a big jazz kick for the past couple of years because of that. And I'm finding out about all these, you know, more obscure, lesser known jazz oh, musicians man. that I didn't we're gonna know. Have to, we're going to have to share some jazz notes after. Yeah, we're going to have to do a jazz <laughs> podcast. I've been on some real, <laughs> some real heavy deep dives lately. But so cool. I, I'm relating to Lisa in an all new way that was was more of a a slight infatuation before. Now it's kind of becoming a hobby. So, so which is your favorite, stupid or boring? I'm going to say boring. The boring kind of jazz. Yeah, the boring like kind the boring usually kind. does it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so up next, we have Krusty talking to Mark Marin, our guest for the episode. And then I'll give some background. This clip is pretty long, but I'm going to play it anyway. Wow, that's incredible, Krusty. I mean, really, I'm blown away. Yeah, well, it's true. It's absolutely true. I have a phobia of pies. That's so crazy because, I mean, we've all seen you get hit in the face with pies on your show. No, no, no. Those are cakes decorated as pies. Oh, right. So that's how you make yourself feel safe. It's not the crust. It's the fillings. Krusty, I got to ask you about something, and, and I don't want you to get defensive, but it's something you've never talked about. Can you tell me about the sands of space? Oh, no. That's off limits, Soul Patch. We could talk about the exploding milkshakes in your Laffy Meals. Did they ever find those kids' noses? Okay, okay. I'll tell you about the sands of space. A movie that almost consumed my soul. Yeah, yeah, keep talking. I'm just feeding the cats. It all began back in the golden age of Hollywood. The late 1980s. High concept was king. You'd mix two kooky words together in the title, put a rap song at the end that explains the plot, and bam, you're on the cover of Premiere Magazine. I had starred in the hit action buddy comedy, Good Cop, Dog Cop, where I played a murdered police officer who was reincarnated as his partner's pet, St. Bernard. Five smashed squad cars, a hundred exploded helicopters, and the mayor's wife has fleas. Turn in your badge and your collar. You're suspended for a month. For me, that's like seven months. Dog Cop! So before the episode aired, uh, Mark Marin actually recorded a real quote unquote interview with Dan riffing as crusty as like promo for the episode. And I definitely listened to that before the episode aired. And he also interviewed Yardley Smith. So it's a very fun episode. And if you haven't heard that, you need to go back and check it out. Yeah, it's a great episode. I actually listened to it when it originally aired back in, I think it was 2019. Yeah, and I, I was, so. uh, funny enough, I was driving to Universal Studios to go to the little Simpsons land there. Um, and it just happened. Mark Marin came up and it's like, I get to listen to a Simpsons themed podcast while driving to see the Simpsons. It was a good day. It was a really yeah, good day. That was a fun yeah. episode. That, that's before I even knew Yardley. And I feel, I feel like I remember her talking about the little Lisa pin a lot in that episode. Yeah. Um, she actually sent me some of those. So I remember at the time being like, man, I want some of those pins. Yeah. Comes full circle. Now I have some. So that's it's a, it's a, a cool little aside. So cool. in this, uh, in this last segment, we see Krusty riding around in a cart and there's a ton of movie posters. And you know, on this podcast, we got to write stuff like this down. These are so good. So I made a little list. We got Beverly Hills Boot Camp, Spy Babies, 
the leprechaun clause, which really cracks me up. You also, <laughs> when you watch this episode, everybody, just look at these posters. They are, I wish I had a book of them. They're so good. Nerd mom, ninjas, which are nuns as ninjas, which is just great. The, these are these are so perfectly 80s. Like, you could see these being real movies. Like, really? Yeah, it's amazing. Basketball dolphin. <laughs> my, <laughs> I had to think about that for a moment. Yeah, basketball dolphin. <laughs> my personal favorite, karate lawyer. <laughs> Pope and a half. I like that one. Pope That's great. <laughs> Robobladers. And then lastly... My uncle, the nephew, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> and it's like an uncle like dressed in kids' clothes. It's very strange. Yeah, I really like this. I like the um the sort of inside baseball Hollywood talk that happens in this episode. It's really, I think it's really really fun. And there's there's so many freeze frames in this episode. We could almost do a whole episode of the podcast just about the freeze frames. Um, one of the, one of the lines that I really liked is they're showing all of these uh, movie posters. Is uh, Krusty's saying, mix two kooky words together and make that the title, then put a rap song at the end that explains the plot, and bam, you're on the cover of Premiere Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and that was such a time in, you know, 80s Hollywood. There was, there was definitely a vibe there, for sure. Oh, yeah. It really nails that time. It's such a good joke. And also, like, Krusty as a dog, and I, I mean, this in this good dog, what is it, good cop bad dog i already forgot the name of the crusty movie but he looks so ridiculous as a dog and the the you know as you heard in the clip the dialogue is just so cheesy yeah um it, it's just it's a perfect parody of that time yeah i actually i, I have a little thing about that it's a good cop dog cop there it is and it is. um it reminded me when i saw it it reminded me a lot of this movie called the shaggy da that came okay. out in 1976 and I, I haven't seen this movie, um, but it went viral about two years ago. And so I've seen a clip from this movie that everyone should look up. But it, the movie, I looked it up, is basically about a guy that's running for DA in this town. And he finds a magic ring that turns him into a sheepdog. <laughs> There's, the mob is involved. The mob is trying to stop him from becoming the DA. So he uses this magic ring to become a sheepdog to infiltrate the mob. To stop this whole conspiracy, there's a hilarious clip from the movie that somebody came across and posted online. You search for the Shaggy DA escape scene. It'll come up on YouTube. And it is so funny because a lot of the movie depended on... It's basically a full-grown man wearing a dog sheep costume. And he's like fighting and running around getting into hijinks it's hilarious i feel like i feel like this cannot be real this is i feel like this is another graggle simpson situation where the internet has created this insane thing (laughs) there's the one clip in particular like every (laughs) just thinking about it i can't i almost can't talk every time i watch it i like it tickles me in such a way because it's purely ridiculous and just one of the dumbest and hilarious things you've ever seen. You get to see a sheepdog punch a guy in the face. I mean, oh, I've seen that. Oh my god, yeah, that's from yeah. that. Okay, yeah. they have to be referencing that with this joke, and that is like, yeah, this is melting my brain. I can't handle. Like, I've got <laughs> someone greenlit that movie. Someone was like, oh, that sounds great. We would love that to make that. Sounds great. Yeah, I, I have it. to wonder is there a rap song at the end that explains? There the has to be. I almost, I almost want to watch that movie now just to find. Brandon, out. we're watching. We're watching it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, next time, next time we're going to watch it. Um, so most of the episode 
is narrated by Krusty as if he's telling a story on a podcast. We're, we have a bit of inception here. You know, we're, we're talking about an episode about a podcast on a podcast. So, you know, do with that what you will. Uh, and this also relies on another piece of history about people from the show that we didn't previously know. Another thing that some fans get, you know, real uptight about. Uh, what is your take on that sort of thing, Brandon? Just seeing like alternate versions of history. Man, I, I've got a little bit of a soapbox here. I'm going to wheel out uh, for please, everybody. Wheel it out. Um, Let's hear it. This kind of thing happens all the time. And it's amplified so much by the internet. You know, um, there's su- uh, some piece of super nostalgic pop culture and then it gets changed. It gets added to Star Wars is the biggest example. Great example. Mean, that anyone can think of, you know, so-and-so ruined my childhood because yeah, the thing gets expanded or changed. George Lucas ruined my childhood is a very common phrase on the internet yeah i don't buy it i think it's all bullshit you know it's uh like nostalgia is this weird thing because it's it's almost like licking a wound it's it's almost you're kind of mourning the loss of something through nostalgia and you're just like you know it's like going through a breakup and still pining for the person that you're not with anymore you know Somebody else can't ruin your childhood because your childhood has already happened. You, Correct. You are living now. That's all that there is to it. You know, you can have new experiences. And like in this episode, I really like it. I like that we're seeing more of Krusty that we haven't really seen. You know, his story's not played out. There's still more to him. I also love, love seeing um, Homer and Marge dating. Because yeah. we haven't really seen that before. There's always... You know, there's the classic episodes where, you know, the the prom and all of that, which we've seen. But we've never seen them like we've been dating for a while and we're comfortable with each other, but we're not married yet. Yeah, and, we don't get enough of that. I agree. Yeah, it's really great. And it's it's cool to see that sort of side of them. I think it adds texture to it that when you go back and watch some of the older episodes, you can think, oh, this is part of that story. And sure. it, it, it enriches the whole thing. You just got to let go of your childhood. (laughs) Brandon, let me borrow that soapbox for a minute, because again, this is like something that I also, you know, you've all heard me talk about this on the podcast a lot. And I, I understand you, you want everything to make sense. My brain is wired to where I love when things, you know, like star Wars, I love when they take the time to make it make sense. People get all upset about star Wars, but if you really break it down, they have been surgically tight when it comes yep. to making the story actually work, like all of it works, but you can't expect that to always be what you want. And you can't expect a show like the Simpsons to also not play with that timeline. When again, if they were really born at the time that they were in the original season one, they couldn't have cell phones. So if they're going to play with stories and they're going to play with the modern era, they have to play with these alternate histories. Absolutely. And if, and if that bothers you, just ask yourself like, why? Because one existing doesn't make the other not exist. You can choose to just, you know, you can choose to go, oh, that episode was fun. I don't have to acknowledge it as some sort of, you know, super tight canon. You just don't yeah. have to think about it that hard. And this is, a, you know, bringing that up is is great in terms of Matt Selman, because that's something that he often talks about online where he's like, hey, making this story doesn't make the other ones not exist. Yeah. Me saying that Homer was in a grunge band doesn't mean that he has always been in a grunge band. It doesn't cancel out these other stories. It doesn't mean he wasn't in the B sharps. It doesn't change any of this stuff. It's just a fun story. You can basically pretend that every episode of the Simpsons is in a different universe. If you want, you can pretend that it's, 
you, you just don't have to get that upset. And I honestly, again, like Brandon, I, I think most of it is, it is fake outrage based on rants you've seen on the internet or things you've seen on the internet. And I think if you really break it down and just enjoy it, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you see this all the time. I mean, even in the classic episodes, you see this. The principal and the pauper, you know, right. it, it's two, two Seymour Skinners. And then at the end, the judge is like, we'll never talk about this again under penalty of death. You yeah. know, they, they, they're always doing stuff. There's continuity, especially in The Simpsons, is a very loose sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, as, as it should be. And also, like, I would argue that I like Simpsons as much as anyone and I promise you, you'll enjoy it a lot more if you just if you just let loose. Just enjoy yeah. it for what it is. Enjoy each episode for what it is. Don't don't get tied up in like, well, it doesn't make sense that Homer, you know, worked on a movie set in the eighties because he around that same time he supposedly was doing this. Yeah. You just don't <laughs> have to. I mean, we're not. We can't. There's yeah. too many episodes. Everybody, come on. Absolutely, and you know, like Bart and Lisa have been the same age for thirty years. Correct. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you expect? All right, so up next, we learn that Good Cop, Dog Cop was a huge success, and so the studio wants a sequel, as a studio often does, but Krusty has other plans. The studio then decides to let him make his movie, but not without some major shortcuts, and then we meet up with Homer and Marge. Okay, Krusty, we've got Good Cop, Dog Cop 2, Golden Revolver, all lined up. We, uh, who, who did the... The two Terrys, they just turned in a great script. Savage Sam Borgberg is all set to direct. So when do we start? I get it. You think I'm just some hack out to churn out lazy sequels for a quick buck? Yes. This is my next movie. The Sands of Space? Cross Are you kidding me? This is the most famously unfilmable book in history. It made Kubrick a recluse. It, it drove Coppola to wine. The four Jeffs tried to write a script, but even they couldn't crack it. When I bought this at an adult bookstore by mistake, it changed my life. There's a light that shines from star to star, from soul to soul, connecting everyone in the universe. Wow. It's not landing for me that the hero doesn't refuse the quest before he accepts the quest. Is that landing for you? Look, I'm not drinking out of one more toilet until you greenlight this movie. And I'm not playing a dog either. All right, we got a comic who wants to make a hippy-dippy science fiction vanity project. Here's what we do. We humor them and we make it. Dirt cheap. We could shoot it in Mexico for nothing. We hire a has-been to direct it and never was is to do everything else. After it bombs, that clown will come scooting his butt back here to make all the dog cop movies we want. Two more. The Sands of Space was a go, and the studio hired the least qualified crew they could find, including a young couple whose love was just starting to bloom. She was full of optimism, and he was slightly less fat than he was going to be. What could be cooler? You and me working on a movie together all summer long as... Production assistance. It's so romantic. We'll be like Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton if they had to get coffee for everybody. There's a there's a great little freeze frame as they're kind of playing through this thing. Um, at the studio gates, there's a sign that says "No artistic integrity beyond this point," which <laughs> I really I really liked. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love that. And th that's a I mean, sign gags are all over this love episode. Sign like gags. so many great sign gags. And, you know, we're talking about Homer and Marge. I, and, and the era of the show, 
I love character designs from different eras like this where, you know, I love seeing the little off the shoulders 80s fit that Marge has on. You know, if, if this were an earlier episode, I think we would have gotten some toys from it. I think their designs are really, really great. Just They're all so over the good. place. Yeah, I really, really loved the design. Like I said, I was pausing the episode all the way through. And I loved the outfits a lot. Yeah. I mean, the, that like 80s summer desert clothes, you know, everyone's, around wearing, the neck. everyone's wearing shorts. Um, which like Homer's red shorts with the white line on the side are so spot on. I think I have a picture of my dad wearing those shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Homer's got a he's got a solid outfit on. He's looking good. Yeah, so they start making his his passion project, his uh, which is called the Sands of Space, which is very much um, kind of poking fun at Dune. Which yeah, it's kind too. of kind of funny because you know it just came out and all of that, but for for decades the Dune was considered unfilmable. Many, many people tried to make versions of it. Some people did get versions out, uh, you know, David Lynch and all of that, whether or not you like that. But it was <laughs> it was considered unfilmable, which I really thought was um, kind of a clever thing. And uh, I really, really loved the joke. Uh, one of the producers is talking about the sands of space and how it's unfilmable. And they say that it drove Coppola to wine. That joke <laughs> really, really, really made me laugh. As a, Underrated as a film joke, nerd, for sure. Underrated as a joke. film nerd, it really made me laugh. There's so many. I also liked all the talks about um, which writers were writing what. You know, we got the two Steves on this or the three Johns. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Also, and this is like sort of, this feels like a classic era Simpsons joke to me earlier in the episode where they're like, is that working for you? It's not really working for me. Like, it's like, yeah. that's very well observed of just that type of, you know, shrewd business film person from that time. Yeah, really absolutely. Good. Cool. So in this next clip, we see them start production, uh, but Krusty is already furious and not getting along with the director, causing him to take over things himself. Stands of space, day one. Shot one, take one. And action! So barren, so alien, yet somehow familiar. Hey, what the hell is this? Cut, cut it! This sand is sand-colored. It's supposed to be red. So what? Sand is sand. Did you even read the book? These blood dunes are all that's left of humanity after the Rust Wars. What's to read? It's a space picture. Laser cars, girls with octopus arms, zip zap, clip clorp, and it's in the can. Look, you no talent bag of wrinkles. Go back to whatever Toluca Lake drunk take they fished you out of, because you're not getting anywhere near my movie. Gah. <laughs> Sir, I've worked in moving pictures since they were called stillies. I once shot a two-hour picture in 90 minutes. And so I say to you, in the words of Miss Lillian Gish, go crap in your hat. And now, if you'll excuse me, I am going to mysteriously drown in the ocean. As you may have heard, there's been an amicable parting of ways with that moron director. We wish him well. Clearly, there's only one artist close enough to this film to direct it. Me. <gasps> I know what you're thinking. Have I taken on too much by starring and directing a movie that I was also tricked into co-financing? No, because this story must be told. This is so exciting. Krusty's got the passion and vision to make this movie great. 
<laughs> I have no idea how to make a movie. I know nothing. <laughs> All these people are screwed. And the crew gift is just a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, so right before this scene, there's a quick freeze frame um, of a magazine. And it's the Premiere Magazine, and Troy McClure is on the cover of Premiere Magazine. And the, the quote is, Troy, oh boy. <laughs> and when I saw this, it kind of like made me like, it gave me a pang in my heart and also made yeah. me a little swoony. Um, just because I love Troy McClure and then, of course, Phil Hartman so of much. Course. You and I were talking uh, recently about Chris Farley, and it made me think about Troy McClure because they kind of passed away close together. And it was one of the first celebrity deaths I really remember. And I always like, just, I mean, I love Troy McClure. That voice is just so good, was so good. Like Chris Farley, just taken from us too soon. I know, you know? taken from us way too soon in so such it a was, tragic way. It was fun to see to see him kind of have a cameo in, in the, as much as he can. You know, yeah. I'm glad that they didn't try to like recast that or anything and just like just pop him on a cover. It made me happy. And and I also, you know, I, this is a bit of a callback to Krusty talking about Premiere Magazine. I would love to know which movie uh, had the the rap song that they're <laughs> in Troy's movie to get him on the cover of Premiere Magazine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously before his fish scandal, for those that are really worried yeah. about the continuity. <laughs> so I, I really love, you know, the timing of the crew believing in Krusty and then just a hard cut to him crying on a monitor in a panic. Oh, man. Yeah, that really hit home for me. I feel like if you were to, like, put a camera somehow inside of my brain you would just see like most of my inner monologue is me curled up in a fetal position being like oh no i suck i'm horrible i'm the worst it's, <laughs> i don't know i guess i need to maybe we should do some therapy right yeah Brandon, if you need to take five we can we can really talk about this no i mean i think anytime you're making something you know creative whether it's a podcast you know uh a film like no matter what it is if you're putting a bit of yourself out there it is hard to like not be a little, you know, self-conscious. Like I think if you don't question your art a little bit, that's also a problem. So it's a tough line to walk. Yeah, yeah. And I think this episode's really like one of the fun things that it does that's really great is it's commentary on the creative process and self-doubt, choice fatigue, all of these things that kind of come up when you are trying to do a thing and complete a thing, especially something that you're passionate about. You know, it's um the sometimes just the act of making it through a creative thing is is worth more than what the creative thing ends up being. You know? Absolutely. You, you 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 work your ass off and you make a, a B B level sci-fi movie. Um you still like did something that was a Herculean feat, you know? And For sure. Like, like if you're out there and you're making a short film and or you have made a short film and you don't like you think that it sucks, pat yourself on the back that you finished it because most people don't even do that because of these things. Most people don't even do that. And that's that's another thing. I mean, you know, to 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 tie it to something much smaller like a podcast, you know, sometimes you get behind on your schedule and you worry like, oh, do people think I like you know, do people think I suck at this? Like, oh, Warren said he was going to do this and he didn't do it, you know? And like, it's easy to like be sort of tough on yourself and, and be like, well, I'm really busy, but I also don't want to make people do wait on this, wait on that. So my advice to anyone is like, if you're, if you are a somewhat creative person and you're working on any number of projects, just give as much of yourself to those as you can within reason and don't beat yourself up. Just make what you can make, give what you can give. Don't, you know, don't put everything in front of your own well-being 
and just, you know, try your best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, Warren, I don't think anybody thinks that you suck. I think that when see, people see the little notification that there's Ooh. a new episode, they get excited. They're like, man, oh, okay, man I, I got really something need, to listen to today. I really needed to hear that, Brandon. Thank you. <laughs> We're working through it today. <laughs> Um, yeah, I also want to talk about the director, you know, when they first get on set, Krusty's not directing the film. There's another director, um, this older guy who's very, uh, he has a line that I love. He says, I want shot a nine, a two hour movie in 90 minutes, which <laughs> is hilarious. Um, but this, this director is very much like a Roger Corman type of director. And for those that don't know, he was a, he was a kind of a classic creator of B movies in the seventies mm. and eighties. Um, he made the kind of just tons of, uh, kind of the, the movie of the week on TV sort of thing. But what was really incredible about him, mean, he was prolific. He could knock out a movie like in a week sort of thing. And he did several movies a year. Now you see directors working like four years, you know, Christopher Nolan takes him four, four years to make an amazing movie, but it takes him four years. Right. Um, but one of the other cool things that Roger Corman did was that he was sort of a mentor for a lot of really, really big name directors when they were first coming up. All of the American New Wave directors, Spielberg and Milius and Coppola and all of them had their time kind of under his wing. So he, wow. he in a way, kind of is the godfather of modern cinema and the, the modern blockbuster, too. Uh, it just started out. And not such a great place. <laughs> Crazy. But, you know, yeah. also that's interesting because there's something admirable about just like, no, like I make films. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not crafted like a lot of things are, but I, I find something sort of endearing about that process of like, no, yeah. I make them quick and I make them as good as I can, you know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. I have, a, I have a friend of mine that's kind of a, he's a, he's a film historian. He has a podcast about film and all of that. And he used to always say that um, there's a difference between a flick and a film. Mm. And both have their own place in the world. A flick is something you throw on, it entertains you, you feel good afterwards. And a film is something that maybe challenges you. And, you know, maybe you like Uncut Gems is a film. You you don't necessarily enjoy watching the movie and the classic sense of enjoying, but you feel changed afterwards. Whereas a right. flick, it's just enjoyment. And both are, one's not better than the other. Both have their place, you know. Sure. And, uh, Roger Corman made flicks. For sure. Yeah. That that's great perspective. Like just for context, Tommy Boy, film. Film, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I still like the boat scene at the end gets me a little teary eyed. I, I I watched Tommy Boy uh last week, everybody. I cried. Okay. It's so great. Good. Just just perfect. Chris, I love you. I miss you. You are a big you are still an influence on my personality to this day. I love you. Um so another interesting thing to note here is that Homer and Marge didn't know Krusty previously. Apparently this is like their first interaction with Krusty as a guy, seemingly, uh, you know, I guess they would know him from TV maybe, but it seems like they didn't really have a, a, a relationship with him at all. They had never met him prior to this. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I also, I mean, I like seeing this version of Krusty. Um, it's really, and seeing Marge kind of interact with Krusty, I don't really remember too many times that Marge has ever really gotten a whole lot of FaceTime with Krusty. So it's right. kind of cool seeing those two characters together. It seems like a fresh pairing, which I really like. 
Yeah, but I don't know, because, like, wouldn't they have known him better when he came to their house when you sat about his dad? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, why? This doesn't make sense to me, man. It doesn't make sense. It, yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty furious. It actually... <laughs> It has ruined my childhood. Yeah, it's ruined my childhood. I'm not gonna. I can't watch these. I episodes. thought that I had a good childhood. Now I realize I had a bad childhood, and it's all because of this episode. It's, man. it's because Marge wasn't and Homer weren't more familiar with him when he came to there. I mean, what a joke! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everything's a lie. Come on, everybody. That sounds insane, doesn't it? It's silly. Just enjoy it. So then we see Marge and Krusty, like we said, having a se- have seemingly their first interaction. Uh, as she tries to help him calm down after his list of decisions completely overwhelms him, followed by him offering her a new position. Oh, is nothing on this movie real? Are you okay? Okay. I'm a total fraud who can't make a single decision. Well, maybe you just need to start with a small one. Like, what color should the space monster's blood be? Orange or green? Both. Neither. I don't know. Just close your eyes, breathe deeply, and envision the blood. What color is it? Orange. There you go. You decided. Of course, orange. I knew I was a genius. I did it. I directed a movie. Well, it's just one decision. Oh, I'm a nothing, a phony baloney, a no talent, a zilch. Just my luck to work for the only insecure person in showbiz. You risk everything you have to tell this story. It must be special. Maybe I can do this. With your help, how would you like to be assistant to the director? Really? I need you to help me be decisive. No, wait, I don't want that. Oh, God, which one? The first, the first. You're hired. Oh. So there's a super weird cameo here that I love when i first saw it i was that that gif of um leonardo dicaprio pointing at the tv (laughs) or uh crusty i almost called him homer crusty comes out of the trailer and a production assistant comes up to ask him if he wants feathers or scales for one of the the characters and the uh the the production assistant's voiced by hank azaria and it is hank azaria's character from the movie the birdcage agador it's the same voice the same outfit, everything. It is his Whoa. character. And I was like, I, lo- I love the birdcage. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. And Hank Azaria is just phenomenal in the birdcage, too. I mean, every, I mean, this guy, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane, you can't go wrong. I've never but seen that, and I did not catch that. I have to watch it now. You got to watch it. Um, and you, now you'll watch it, and you'll you'll do the same thing I did, but the reverse, because you'll be thinking of the animated <laughs> version. Um, but yeah, it's Hank Azaria's, Hank Azaria's character from the birdcage. And he shows up later again in the episode, but this is the only time that he talks. And it is, it's, it's that character. Wow. It's, it was so exciting to see. Uh, that's cool. I love seeing Hank Azaria in anything. I'm just like, oh, that's, you know, and just like give a list of all the people he voices. But it ruins the continuity of the birdcage because that character wouldn't have worked on a film before oh. that. And so now it kind of ruined that movie for yeah, me. Yeah, now you my see, childhood is, is ruined. <laughs> this is, this is bullshit. Now my middle adult years are ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch this ever again because I just have to make such a big deal out of the continuity. I know. <laughs> With Star Wars, I understand. I can be annoying about that too, but Simpsons, give me a break. Okay, so <laughs> this is this is where the story, in my opinion, really shifts into like a new place because it sort of slowly becomes more about Homer and Marge than it does about Krusty, or I guess equally in a way, but it, it sort of goes into a different place. 
Um, and I, like we said, I love seeing like this passionate side of Krusty that, you know, it isn't driven by money. It's sort of opposite of most of the stories we get about him. It's not just like greedy, like, Oh, I want to be, I want money. Start a clown college. It's like, no, he really cares about this property. He wants to make this movie. So this is where stuff really starts to happen. Yeah, I like it too. I, I really love the, we kind of touched on it a moment ago, but I love the choice fatigue that starts to happen. And it made me think that like, when you're really passionate about something is when like choice fatigue and these anxieties come up because you want to make the best thing possible. You know, sure. if you didn't care about something, you're not going to have that choice fatigue. You're not going to have that sort of thing. And it's actually like, like the, the, the writers were definitely doing some pretty deep introspection on the, the creative process and then making, you know, these wonderful jokes from the whole thing. Cause comedy, I, I feel comedy is therapeutic in a way it's you know looking at like why is it that this happens you know right and i I really liked him being being kind of just paralyzed by choice fatigue because i've definitely experienced that uh for sure creating stuff (laughs) god i deal with it every single day I, i i famously give myself too much to do so i completely relate to that um and it's cool you know so we're talking about all the stuff that we see Krusty go through and like all the stuff that he's doing this is another testament to how unique this episode is, and I think that's one of the reasons why I do like it so much on any scale, not just on a modern episode scale, because yeah. this I love seeing The Simpsons, and we talked about this in like Itchy and Scratchy Land. I love seeing them in different settings, and we're seeing like, you know, we're never going to see this setting again. It's them out in the desert filming a movie. Like it feels so separated in such a cool way from the show. It's like I, I just love when they get to play with stuff like that. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. So after a montage of Marge helping Krusty, we see Homer start to worry about the amount of time she's spending with Krusty, which starts a chain of events that drives Krusty even more mad. Sorry I'm late, but Krusty and I were storyboarding tomorrow's shots. Close up, medium, long, long, establishing, close, POV, wide, and then get this, medium. You've been so busy with that director, I never see you. Krusty needs me. He's under so much pressure. He wouldn't believe how much directing dust he's sniffing. Everyone's working hard. We had to repaint all the sets black and white for a flashback. We wouldn't have been able to do it if not for all the crew powder. Well, it'll all be worth it when this movie touches people's hearts as Peebo Bryson sings the theme song over the credits. You got Peebo? Well, he hasn't committed. He's not the only one. This was supposed to be a romantic adventure, but whenever we have a moment alone, your beeper goes off. Why don't we have a romantic adventure right now? Oh, yeah. I really liked uh, Krusty watching the dailies, because, again, it's that choice (laughs) fatigue thing. But it's so spot on. Like, nothing will make you feel crazier faster than trying to choose a take if you're editing. Um, anybody that's done any sort of, like, short film work or even, like, music, just anything where you've recorded a bunch of takes and you're like, does this one or this one better? Does this one? or th- it, like Especially when they're mind. both fine. When they're you both can't in- decide which one you like more. And the difference between the two is so trivial. So trivial. Eventually, you have to just let it go. You, like the idea of perfection, you just got to let it go. Things are never done. You just move on. You, know? you just move on. And Krusty <laughs> cannot accept that. I mean, my man has been up all night deciding between like two takes of him saying like two words, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Something also that really got me in this episode was director's dust and crew powder. Uh, <laughs> that that makes that. me laugh every time I watch this episode. You see it written on bat. It's just such a great joke. Yeah, I really loved um, Marge talking about the storyboards also. she She's like really excited about storyboards. It's a little bit of inside baseball joke again, but her being like close up, long, long, establishing POV. And then get this, <laughs> medium. <laughs> it just cracks me up. And also... um. Marge with a beeper. What talk about like a throwback? You know, people oh want to talk God. about cell phones being in a thing, but a beeper. Like, Imagine the time. And I, this, I'm a little too young for this. I never really had. Well, I'm not too young. I just never had one. By yeah. the time I was old enough to need one, I just had, cell phones were around, but. Uh, imagine when beepers came out and that being like the peak of technology. It's like, oh, sorry, I have to go make a call. My beeper's going off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that being the most technologically advanced phone. <laughs> yeah. Equipment. My, uh, my dad is a, is a nurse and he had a beeper through the nineties. <laughs> it's a really quick story, but it's hilarious. Oh, my dad, uh, it. my, my parents are divorced. You know, I would spend weekends with my dad and then would, you know, lived with my mom and dad would pick me up on the weekends and he'd always take me to the movies. Me and dad would go to the movies. And I remember when the mummy came out, the Brendan Fraser mummy. Oh, he yeah. takes me to the movies Friday night, packed theater, packed theater. And we're like, we're like sitting like right in the middle of the theater, people on both ends. It's one of those like shoulder to shoulder. You, you hope you don't have to pee because you're never going to get out of there. <laughs> and it's the scene in The Mummy where the guy gets trapped in the sort of vault and the, the flesh eating scarab comes up in the foreground and it like it flutters its wings and rise it flutters its wings. My dad screams, jumps stands up and starts he throws popcorn all over and everyone like in the theater is like oh like look, turns and looks at my dad he's my dad's just like hitting his leg like he's being attacked <laughs> his beeper had gone off the very moment that the scarab cha- like shuttered its little wings and it vibrated and, and oh, like and my, my dad God. like this this some primal part of my dad's brain thought that the, the bug was on him and he <laughs> lost it <laughs> it was the first time I ever like saw my dad like lose it like that. I was like, "What? What is going on?" And then I like would, dad, dad looks I at would, his beeper and he was like, "Come on, let's go." He like grabbed me by the arm and pulled me out. <laughs> I would pay money to be able to go back in time and just see him slowly realize that he just freaked out. Yeah, uh, that yeah. that's the funniest part about that story is that he had to just be like, "Okay, now I acknowledge that I." freaked yeah. out for no reason i gotta get the fuck out of here yeah it was a packed theater he like he like stood there and then like everyone turns and looks at him and he like looks at them and he's like and so he's like let's go and so we we the funny thing is we were sitting in the middle of the aisle so we had to be like excuse me excuse me excuse me excuse oh. me to get out of the aisle. what a nightmare what an incredible memory uh, it was great i always think i'm of sure that you think I of that every time you watch the mummy now yeah i do that i'm always like that's the scene right there <laughs> Like, hey, Dad, we should watch The Mummy. It's not funny, Brandon. Shut up. I always text Dad. I'm like, hey, Dad, I'm watching The Mummy. <laughs> so <laughs> good. I love, bit. I love that. Uh, yeah, it's cool seeing beepers. It's cool seeing, like, again, like, it really sets it in that time. And it's like, oh, you know, this is the, the hip thing. Like, we're making a movie. We all got beepers. I love that. Yep. So up next, we see Homer approach Marge to tell her that he thinks Krusty has it out for him. But Marge still doesn't see it. She's like, no, I think, you know, Krusty loves you. He wants, you know, he cares about you. After that, Homer falls and hits his head, which leads to some of my favorite art in the episode, and he gets a vision of his future family. Telling you, your crazy boss is out to get me. No, he's not. Krusty loves our relationship. 
Every day he says it would be a shame if something happened to you. Then laughs and laughs. Then why are they sending me out to the middle of the desert to find a lizard for a new scene about a space lizard? Hmm, it does sound a little dangerous. No, I'm sure it's super safe. I'll see you when I get back alive. Lizard, lizard, who wants to be famous? Look at all those skeletons. Mexicans sure love Halloween. Whoop! Oh, oh, what's the? Oh, I'm trapped in a ravine. Only one thing to do: wait patiently for death. Where you go, what? Yeah, get up, fat ass. Who the hell are you talking, cactuses? We're the kids you're never gonna have if you don't get your lazy butt out of that hole. And technically, it's cacti. Ow! <laughs> Why should I climb out of here and have you? Mart spends all her time taking care of that needy clown. I thought I was her passion project. You know, someday you might appreciate a wife who's developed empathy and patience for chubby, selfish men. <laughs> Look at that bald guy! <laughs> He's so bald! I don't think we'll ever be born. Sorry, Maggie. Eat my thorns! Are you prickly! Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite parts of the episode. I mean, this is like, just, oh, it's so good. I, I really loved uh, Krusty saying, I fired my shrink after I found out she was seeing other patients. That's <laughs> such a, like, comedian's joke. And you, you, you always have to remember that Krusty the Clown is essentially a comedian inside this world. So I love whenever they play on that and they sort of give him these little one-liners, these little quips. It's so good. So good. And, and, and again... We're watching Krusty transform into the Krusty that we know. He's coming, becoming very neurotic, very impatient, very obsessed. Um, but this whole scene of Homer, like when he hits his head, I, I just love it so much. It's arguably my favorite thing in the episode. Uh, the shots are beautiful. Everything looks great. We get these fantastic drawings of the kids as cactuses. And I laugh every time when Homer says, well, only one thing to do, wait patiently for death. <laughs> Followed by Bart saying, yeah, get up, fat ass. Like that, th those two things back to back, big laughs for me. Oh, it's great. Like, I love the, the, the kids showing up the way they worked them in. Not only is the, the, the design of them incredible, just so good. And like, it's so creative and so weird. But also just the back and forths between them, the dialogue and everything is so, so great. Yeah, it just looks so good. I mean, this is just like screenshots from this scene would make anyone interested in watching this episode, I, I would argue. And it's a great scene for a lot of reasons, but mostly because, you know, if you just break it down, Homer is being taunted by a vision of his future son, which leads him to choke the cactus, which gives him water. <laughs> which probably saves his life. So that's like a nice little, like getting there, the way that they do is very interesting to me. I think that's super funny. Yeah, there's something so wonderfully horrifying about him tearing the head off of the, the cactus part and then <laughs> yeah. drinking it. I kind of had like a weird reaction watching. I was like, oh, hey, whoa. <laughs> but it's also like funny. It's really, really good. It's, um, super, it's super cool and super heady if you really think about it. Like he's seeing a vision of a son he doesn't know 
that he's not even sure he'll have. And I also love the way Maggie looks. You only uh, see Maggie flowers. for a second, but she's got the, the little flowers. flowers. Super so good. good. I love those designs so much. There's also a really, really cool uh, another cameo here. This time, a music cameo. When Homer, after he drinks the cactus and he walks out into the desert, there's a music cue. And it's the music cue from The Mysterious Voyage of Homer, my mm. favorite episode. I didn't when even he, I didn't even register. I like just didn't I guess I was too busy making notes. It didn't even jump out of me. I forgot. It's the same music cue when he kind of wow. walks out into the desert, that sort of like high high wind western, you know, uh psychedelic sort of music cue. It, that is it, fantastic. That's a great catch, Brand. I did not catch that. I will be going back to revisit. Um yeah, this is just this is just, you know, such an interesting scene and it really, you know, gets us to the end of the episode. And again, I cannot stress the, the drawings of the kids as cactuses. This whole Homer and Marge in the clouds, everything. This scene is so beautiful. I've literally considered getting tattoos of the kids as cactuses. Like I just love these designs so much. I think it'd be fun to to have them somewhere. Um, there, just, needs to, just, there needs to be some action figures of these things. I've, They're so listen, great. Funko, you make a bunch of crap. But if you want to make Bart and Lisa cactuses, I will gladly buy them. That would be such a cool figure. Kid Robot, you picked the wrong time to go away because this would also be something you could make. You could make the kids as cactuses. It would be so great. Uh, one of my favorite designs of the kids in like the last decade. I just think this is such yeah. a cool, unique shot. You'll never see again. It's also a clever way to bring the kids in at all. Like It's a yeah. clever way to make them a part of the episode. Yeah, and it, The Simpsons always shines when it comes to like injecting some surrealism into the thing. I mean, that's just it's so good and they really nailed it here. It felt it felt fresh and it felt just oh, it really lit up my brain seeing the yeah. whole thing. And and I love I have to mention this joke before we move on where Homer uh realizes that the 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 cloud of him loses the hair. And he says, "Hey, look at that bald guy." <laughs> yeah, look at that fat bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Okay, so then we see Homer stumble upon a crew in hiding, followed by Krusty finishing the final scene of the movie. Then the crew receives a ransom note for Homer, and they attempt to save him using movie props. Marge then stops the fight and offers them a deal. Stop shooting! Stop shooting! Cut! Okay, that's a five. We don't have your million dollars, but we can give you something much more valuable. A Hollywood movie. All we want back is the lowliest member of our crew. We could sell it to the highest bidder. At me, Fed! You have a deal. No, no! You can't give away my masterwork! There's a light that shines from star to star, from soul to soul, connecting everyone in the universe. Be the man who believes in those words and let the light between me and Homer give life to our universe. Gentlemen, the film is yours. You're a good man, Krusty. Only when I'm with you, which is why I never want to see you again. I want that too. I really love all the Mad Max references. It's yeah. um, I'm a huge, especially that last Mad Max movie was so good. Fury oh, it was Road fantastic! Was so good, and they just like nailed sort of that aesthetic, which was really fun seeing the Simpsons world with that. It just, just really good. I also I liked agree. um. Krusty's line, uh, you help me become what every director aspires to be, an amiable guy 
who makes everyone suffer through his hellish process. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, I would love to see the look on like the Simpsons directors when they read this joke. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get it. Okay. <laughs> so good. So the movie is gone. Homer is free and everything is back to normal. So you see this whole scene of like, they finally finished this movie despite all the problems, but because Homer, who at, at the fault of Krusty was sent out into the desert, he gets hurt, he stumbles upon this crew, uh, cartel, whatever it may be, and because of his own selfishness, he causes himself to lose the movie. So I think it's like a, a really interesting way to get to the end. Um, my only complaint about the entire episode is how quick this ending happens. Like everything wraps up lightning fast and you know you got to think that the original script would have taken way longer than 23 minutes to make or to 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 show on screen yeah i'd have to agree with you on that it it feels like it's uh like the whole hostage thing might have been one plot point too many yeah it just sort of like oh man like there's now this to resolve along with the movie to resolve and then if you if you think of the the story like kind of a russian nesting doll that outside of that you have the Marge and Homer thing, and then even above that is the overarching thing with Mark Marin and the podcast, which is more just the framework for it. Right. And it's just it's a lot of things to suddenly have to bring home all at once. I, I almost feel like it could have done without the hostage thing. Um, yeah, you know, if if I'm just playing, you know, Monday morning quarterback over here, I would say that like maybe the crew notices that they haven't seen Homer for a day, and they go try to find him, and the the film, you know, gets caught. Uh, it catches on fire somehow. There's got to be like, or the car that the film is in crashes, oh, yeah. or but there's got to be some way to just make that a little bit neater. But that's my only real complaint about this episode, which is not even really a complaint. I still think it's great. It just yeah. the ending happens very quick. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one one thing too many, I think, but it's still all great and fun. Like, love it. Yeah, there are so many so many things to love about this episode. It's not one that I immediately think to recommend when someone says, Hey, you know, give me a great modern one. Uh, which again, this is why I need to make the list at this point. Me not making the list is just becoming like, it's becoming like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm just never going to make this list (laughs) because I keep talking about making the list. Is it, is Um, it choice fatigue? I guess it is. I guess I just, I'm like, you know, I, I trust me, everybody, I need to make the list. And then I just don't. So (laughs) again, I guess you just have to keep messaging me, everybody. Eventually I'll get around to it. You know, um, as you can see with this podcast, I don't always keep my schedule. I'm like, Hey, we're doing Q and A's once a month. That didn't happen, but I'm glad that you all still listen. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I will play this final clip too, just because I love the fake ad read that Mark Marin does and just the way it wraps up in general. I've done a lot of interviews, man, but wow. I, I am so glad that Byron Allen canceled. And after that, my movie career was kaput. I was sent back to kids' TV and never cared about making anything good ever again. Well, folks, you heard it. Who could ever forget it? A heartbreaking story about a selfish man's one selfless act. Do you like hot cashews but don't have the time to heat them up? Shoe Blasters is disrupting the heated nut business. If the shoe heats, eat it. Ugh. I love the joke that Krusty makes where he says, and I never cared about making anything good ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, that does track. With it the does continuity track. Of hey, everything. continuity people, that tracks. That's definitely like, that's, that's correct. Um, hot cashews, though, does not sound good. Man, I would eat a spicy cashew. Yes. 
but like a heated cashew. Yeah, like a warmed up cashew. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Boiled cashew. Wait, am I mishearing that joke? Is he saying that they're spicy or is he saying that they're like heated up? I I have no idea. For some reason, it immediately hit me as they were just like warmed up cashews. My first thought when I heard it was like, you know, I used to live in Georgia. So seeing those billboards for boiled peanuts, that was my first story. I was thinking like boiled cashews. No, thanks. But I think maybe it's kind of like Nashville hot chicken, like a spicy, a spicy cashew. I would eat a spicy. Yeah. Chime in, everybody. Let me know what, how that joke hits you. Maybe I need to like watch it again, but. Um, I like the I, line, uh, disrupting the heated nut business. <laughs> <laughs> See, he says heated. I feel like it has to be like warmed up, which yeah, just sounds right. awful. Um, I will say this though, for anyone on the fence, and I don't know if you've ever actually tried them, Brandon, boiled peanuts are a delicacy. They are delicious. I love them. Boiled peanuts are great. As okay, long as there you get you go. them. You scared me for a moment. No, no, no. They're amazing. As long as you get them and they are, you know pretty freshly boiled sometimes right. you go to a gas station they've been sitting there for a long time and not, those not the best. they're like they're they're kind of they're not hot anymore they're just previously boiled yeah <laughs> those now, i will good. i will say this about cashews before we get out of here but um cashews are actually an incredible you know a lot of you know that i am vegan uh cashews are an incredible base for like a vegan cheese you can make really great mm. sauces with cashews which does you do have to warm up you have to boil them for that but like they don't you, you blend them up. So I had a, my wife makes a really good vegan Caesar dressing. Mm. And it's so good. It's, it's cashew based. Yeah. It's cashews great. are incredible heated up. Just maybe not eating them out of the package hot. That's it. sounds so weird to me. It has to be the joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll do, do a it. poll. Yeah. We'll do a poll. But yeah, cashews as like a, a base or like in like a stir fry, even delicious. It's mm. like that's, that's totally acceptable. Um, so Brandon, after this experience, I mean, you've said that like you, you know, you don't watch a ton of modern ones, not, not for any sort of bias. You just don't find the time always. Um, what would your advice be to someone who doesn't watch them, especially after, you know, doing this episode and talking more about a modern episode? I'd say let go of your nostalgia. Like a modern episode will never make you feel the way you felt when you were younger. And it's not the Simpsons. It's not because the modern episodes aren't as good. It's just because you're not the same person that you were when you saw those old episodes. And that's fine. Just let go of the that sort of idea. Open up and watch a new episode. I think it'll surprise you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I can't really say it any better than that. I think there is a blind spot that a lot of people have. And, you know, I get some aggressive comments sometimes where people are like, oh, yeah, well, too bad. It's fucking sucked for 20 years. Listen, uh, if you have seen every episode and you want to tell me that new ones suck, I'll listen to your opinion. Yeah. If you haven't watched a new episode in 10 years and when you did, you just randomly watched one on TV without much context or consideration and you didn't watch any more from that same season and that's your baseline. I just don't have time for that argument because- you're missing out on a lot of really funny episodes. You're missing out on a show that eventually will go away and we should be glad that it hasn't yet. You're just missing out on a lot of things that you would actually enjoy if you gave it a chance. And just because you've been told your whole life that, oh, The Simpsons sucks after season blank, you don't have to, you know, don't don't buy into that. That's that's just, it's it's that common wisdom that is just not in any way true. It's just something that's been shouted enough that some people started to believe it. Sort of like, you know, chemtrails or something. It's just, you don't have to believe it just because you see it on the internet. Don't be a sheep. Yeah, there you go. Come on, give me a break. (laughs) So that's, you know, I had a blast talking about this episode because it is one that I really like and it makes me want to, you know, talk about more modern ones. So 
in future episodes, I think, or in future polls, I might just grab a couple great new ones that I like and see if any of you want me to talk about those. And then we'll go back to some classics as well, but I might switch it up and do that for future episodes like this. I think that would be really fun. Brandon, what do you think? Dude, it sounds great. I kind of had an epiphany while doing this episode where I realized, like, I stopped watching The Simpsons around season 13. It's mm. kind of funny. Uh, the Behind the Laughter was kind of the last new episode that I had seen and then just disappeared for a long time. Um, and I realized that there's more of The Simpsons that exist that I haven't seen than I have seen. And I've always considered myself a massive Simpsons fan, but there's more of it that I haven't seen than I have seen. And I know that not all of it's going to be great, but like it's exciting to me that there's so much of a thing that I love that I haven't experienced yet. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I think you will be pleasantly surprised with how many episodes you love. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with how many modern quote-unquote episodes make it into like your all-time favorite list there are several that i would consider favorite episodes that are from like you know season 26 you know like it's just there's a lot of great stuff that everyone's missed out on but i I mean come on i've been talking about this since the beginning of this podcast so i won't just continue to go on and on but i do like to have these conversations just don't come at me with some bullshit everybody don't come at me with some aggression (laughs) that's right that's right and you need to make us a list and also make me a list of some of that boring jazz music you like see i care what brandon thinks so i will do that (laughs) i will do that uh so as for the next episode i i have to talk to brandon about this off mic but i do have an interview that I might do that I might have him come on for. And so there's another episode. There's some more stuff in the tank coming soon. Um, I will stick to the every other week schedule for the most part. I know that I messed that up this last time. That was a scheduling issue, but for the foreseeable future, I'm going to try to do an episode every other week. Uh, that's sort of like my, my plan moving forward for a while, just while I'm doing some other things. If you don't get enough content from me, go follow me on whatnot. I will do a show every Saturday for now until I can't. And so that's like a little podcast. I talk about the the history of the toy. I do all this other stuff. You know, I sell stuff and it's really fun. So if you want some more content from me, that's a good place to get it. As well as the Instagram, I'm always posting stuff over there. So you, I mean, come on, you guys know where to find me, uh, all that stuff. Um, so Brandon, anything that you would like to plug or just talk about before we go? No, man, I'm good. Just a happy friend anniversary. That's yeah, it. absolutely. You too, Brandon. This is great. <laughs> Uh, more coming from Brandon and I, both on the mic and off the mic. We're talking about some spicy uh, projects, uh, some yeah. spicy projects in the in the shadows. So just keep your eyes peeled for me, Brandon. This is he this duo. Cashews. Yeah, this duo. <laughs> <laughs> this duo has got some, you know, a lot left in the tank. So get ready for that. As for all of you, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at simpsonsisgreat at gmail.com. If you like this podcast consider leaving me a review on Apple or anywhere that accepts reviews. I really do not care if they take reviews, leave it there. You can follow the official Instagram account at Simpsons is greater than or on Twitter at Simpsons is great. Although I rarely use that. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram or Twitter and I'll see everybody real soon.